Um, we've talked about it. There have been a lot of stories. Albertans waiting hours for help. Some communities with no ambulance service for at least a while as the teams that work in those communities were sent to neighboring communities in an effort to you know, backstop what's going on in neighboring communities. So uh, there's been a real shortage. And now in an effort to um, deal with this situation, AHS Emergency Services has launched a 10-point plan. And the province's acting chief paramedic joins us now to walk us through this. We're going to talk with Marty Scott, who is the acting chief paramedic. Uh, Marty, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Good morning, Shane. Nice, nice to be here this morning. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the details on this, but let's start with an update on, on why it was necessary to come up with the plan. I think we all know the situation was getting pretty desperate in some places and at some times. Um, just give us an update on where we are in terms of ambulance service and, and how stretched it is right now. Yeah, Shay, I think you you definitely touched on the background in, in your opening comments. Um we certainly are still facing the very high call volumes that we started to experience about this time last year. Matter of fact, they're about 30% higher uh, daily than what we're used to seeing um, as compared to historical levels. So we were, we're facing a lot of emergency uh, events um, that we have been for a while. Um, we continually see um, some of our resources tied up in um, emergency departments. And we're also suffering a little bit from lack of staffing and availability of staffing. So those three specific items forced us into uh, making some significant changes to make sure that we could at least cover the um, areas of the province a little better than we were doing. Um, the 10-point plan that we rolled out in January uh, does a lot to mitigate some of those risks, but, but frankly, Shay, it, it, um, it's really just mitigating factors. Um, it, it's not going to solve um, yeah. The, the volume and the resources that we have. Yeah, I mean, it, we're doing what we can with what we have at hand, which I think is the best we can do right now, but obviously more work needs to be done. So uh, let's talk about the 10-point plan, though, and, and what it does address and how it's um, hoped it can help. But like you say, basically it's dealing with the shortage, right? Trying to prioritize the way that ambulances and the crews are used. That Would that be the simplest way of summing it up? Yeah, that's a good way to look at it, Shay. One, one thing that um, we focused on, we've, we've implemented about half of our plan, which primarily was around how resources are used and deployed, so that's exactly right. And a couple of good examples are um, we no longer send ambulances to motor vehicle collisions where there's no reported injuries. Right. Our past practice was we used to go all the time, and now we're definitely um, only sending um, ambulances and paramedics when we see um, that there are injuries being reported at the scene. That's just one example. Another big one is is that when we used to have rural or suburban ambulances transport into the metro centers of Edmonton and Calgary, they would sometimes have a hard time getting back into their community because they'd be the closest ambulance to another incoming emergency. Okay. So, so we've actually changed how we deploy those resources now, and we really put an emphasis on getting those suburban resources back into their home community to provide that community coverage. And although it's early, we've seen some positive um, positive developments around how well the suburban areas are being covered. Um, however, that does mean that in some cases people may have to wait slightly longer for an ambulance that is coming from um, Calgary, for example, rather than a suburban area. Now, to be clear, we only do that when um, it's a lower priority event. Obviously, the, the closest uh, ambulance is going to go to the most significant life-threatening emergencies. Um, what about um, in terms of... I mean, we've heard stories of um, 
trucks tied up for hours on calls that, you know, where, where really th- th- there's something much more severe that they're much more needed at that's very close by, but they can't do it because they're tied up with a low priority call. Is there an opportunity now to sort of triage it a little bit better so you, you're deciding where the ambulance is most desperately needed and getting there as quick as possible? Yeah, ultimately, Shay, that's what we're doing now on a day-to-day basis is where our emergency communications officers will assess an incoming call and determine if one can wait compared yeah. to something that might be more urgent. Um, we've also introduced criteria now where if we've assigned a resource on its way to a lower priority event, we will reassign it to something that's more, that's higher priority. So that's something new that we're doing as well. Before, when they were committed, we used to let them run. Yep. Uh, and now we will divert them to something that's more life-threatening. Um, what about patient transfers? I know that was something that we talked to uh, um, people about here on the show in terms of, you know, you don't need an ambulance in some cases to transfer a patient from, I, I don't know, back home or to another care center or something like that. It can be done in a multitude of ways where you're not tying up an ambulance. Is that something you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. There's two things that we're doing there, Shay. One is is uh, we've introduced a, a pilot at the Peter Lougheed Centre in Calgary, and we're actually rolling it out into the North Zone. And what it is is it's a little bit of a guiding algorithm for facility staff to help them understand when they need an ambulance to move those patients and when they don't. And then we engage them in those conversations. Now, now these are really low uh, low priority p- uh, patients. Like these are people that aren't very sick, so yeah. they could even go by family or by cab. And so we're examining that from that perspective. And then we're also putting together a pilot project in the uh, Red Deer area. Uh, We're still working on the details. However, the main tenants of that uh, pilot project are going to be looking at ways to use dedicated resources that are configured in a way where the people, in a way that people need them. So not paramedics on low-level calls. Um, They will be uh, appropriately trained people for the level of patient that they're moving. And so that's something that we're looking at as another way to take pressure off of those local resources. Um, and as you said, you know what, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about a shortage overall, bottom line. That's what the major issue is here. I know there's been a lot of talk about getting more ambulances and more crews and, uh, you know, trying to tackle the problem in the way that we think will probably do the most good. Is that happening? Are we seeing an increase in the number of ambulances in Alberta or the number of crews? Has that happened yet? So, Shay, I want to pause just for a second and recognize the, the excellent work done by paramedics in Alberta every day. Um, as you know, most things we've talked about, they're seeing those pressures every day. They they see the patients and they hear from the families when there are delays or when um, they don't think we're there as fast as we should be. And, and paramedics hear that from patients. That's a very difficult position for them to be in. And um, I want to recognize that and and their dedication to their communities and providing the service. So that's um, just something that we really want to point out Fair how enough. appreciative yeah. we are of their work. Um, there, uh, there was uh, some relief announced in the most recent budget where we have been allocated uh, five 24 uh, equivalent ambulances in Edmonton and Calgary, five each, and some investment in um, Lethbridge and Red Deer of 12-hour ambulance in each of those communities. So um, there is some relief coming there. However, one of our other challenges that uh, I didn't really speak to uh, at the beginning was um, we suffer from the same impact of the global supply chain issues as many other areas. So, for example, chassis manufacturers for our ambulances are in a significant backlog uh, in terms of um, preparing ambulances for us to to use. So we do have quite a backlog of ambulances ordered. So on one hand, yes, we are hiring um, more paramedics. We've hired uh, approximately 60 paramedics since January. Um, However, we are waiting for ambulances to arrive from manufacturers just uh, as we can get prioritized and and, um, take delivery of those vehicles as they're built.
I think we're all, anybody who's shopped for a vehicle knows that's a situation we're all dealing with now. So, I mean, the money's there. It's been spent. The vehicles are ordered. Now you're just waiting to get them like so many other people. Exactly. Yes, exactly. You mentioned staff, and uh, whenever we have this conversation, I hear from paramedics talking about how they're burnt out and they're overdone and on and on. Um, Has there been some work to try and make things better for EMS workers in in our province? I mean, they've been maxed. They've been uh, under extreme stress. I know a lot have walked away from the job. It's just not worth it to them. Is there a way to deal with frontline staff? Is that part of this plan? So great question, Shay, and that's definitely an area of focus that we have because we we hear from our staff as well, and um, we're focusing on a couple of areas. So so one is um, we've uh, bolstered our peer support program to help in, increase support for frontline staff amongst each other. So we've got some dedicated resources to help staff um, unwind or connect uh, based on that peer support support model. We've also brought in a hiring uh, a, uh, a violence and prevention strategy. Well, we'll be bringing in a violence prevention strategy. Um, we have a dedicated uh, individual looking at that now because that's one of the major factors at work is, is violence uh, against paramedics. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, um, we have been do- we prior- just prior to the pandemic, we started to work on a culture assessment. So there are a number of activities that we definitely want to focus on related to um, adjusting our culture. Um, to help more of that long-term view of, of paramedic employment with Alberta Health Services. Um, but And then um, I do want to point out, we're just learning a little more about it, but uh, um, last week um, there was an announcement made by the Alberta government that would support so psychological health and first responder programs to s- support things like peer support and to nonprofits that help support paramedics. So um, there's an awful lot going on, Shay, and um, unfortunately a lot of it is going on inside a pressure cooker, uh, which is necessary, but it also makes that work even more challenging. And important. Absolutely. Um, okay, uh, Marty, I'm getting a lot of questions. We ask this every time. I don't know if uh, in terms of ho- uh, ambulances waiting in hospitals to transfer patients into ERs, is that is that still an ongoing situation that's something that's causing a lot of the tie-ups? Yeah, she, that's something that we've been um, dealing with for quite some time historically in Alberta, even, even prior to um, Alberta Health Services um, being formed. It's been an issue that we've had, yeah. and we've got a, a number of strategies in place that are, are starting to help with that. One of the things that's in our 10-point plan is establishment of um, an incident operations center, and really what that will do is that will bring together paramedic leaders and health system leaders in the Calgary zone. We have one running in Edmonton. We're going to do another one in the Calgary zone, and what that does is that allows those leaders to talk when we see that resources in EMS are getting really tight, then the facilities will help us scramble and get those ambulances back out onto the street. So I think generally the challenge with emergency department waits is it's a flow-through issue all the way through the emergency department into the healthcare system. And um, it is frustrating for our staff. It actually links back to the comment that the previous topic of of paramedic um, health. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want to be sitting in the hallways. We don't want them sitting in hallways. And... Um, yeah, we're going to be working on some targets that hopefully will will get us a little better performing here in the next year. Hey, Marty, I really appreciate you joining us and walking us through it this morning. Thank you very much. Gee, thanks so much. Have a nice day. You too. That is Marty Scott, who is Acting Chief Paramedic of Alberta Health Services Emergency Medical Services. And so... Uh, some things already being done by the sounds of it. Just to give you an update in terms of spending, um, and as he said, they're having a hard time getting the ambulances brought to the province. But uh, at, in the budget that came out in late February, the province did dedicate an additional $64 million to the EMS budget. It went from uh, 587, uh, to 587 
from 523. So uh, the budget went up 12.5% roughly, just over 12%, something like that. And uh, the money was meant to address capacity issues. That was that was the goal. So uh, the province came up with the money to get the ambulances, and now it sounds like you know the supply chain is part of the problem.